0: Welcome to PCA One-on-One Positive Coaching Alliance's podcast series where we talk with leading experts about how to develop better athletes, better people through sports.
1: And now here's your host, Jim Thompson, PCA founder and CEO. Really excited today to be talking with John Gordon. Um, Many of you listening will be very familiar with John. He's uh, uh, written The Energy Bus, Training Camp, Soup, The Carpenter, um several other books um and speaks all over the country. Uh, John, really a pleasure to have you uh, uh on this podcast this morning. Thanks, Jim, it's an honor. Um I feel the same way. Um we were just chatting a minute ago and let's let's uh, recreate that. I you know, you mentioned that you had uh gone to Emory and got a teaching degree and you taught for a while and <clears throat> I really feel like now you are uh, you're still a teacher and like the whole country, maybe the whole world is your classroom. you feel that way?
0: Oh, very much so. You know, people call me a, a motivational speaker all the time, and I really don't like that term at all because I, I really believe that, that I am a teacher and that, you know, yes, I got a, a master's in teaching from Emory, and I taught for a year in school, but I, I really believe I had that experience to to learn how to teach and to ultimately go out and, and teach others about positivity and about positive leadership and and how to bring out the best in your team and take on the challenges of the world. And so, so that's what I try to do. I try to teach you know, these, these strategies and these principles. And uh, so even though I'm, you know, if I'm speaking to a, a large audience or a small group, uh, as you said, it's all teaching.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, I know I, uh, I heard a, a banker many years ago talking about how he started a, a school. And he said the two, the two things he knew how to run were a bank and a school. And I thought that was pretty interesting because he had never run a school before. <laughs> the idea is that that's, that's really simple, and teaching is easy um, to anybody who hasn't tried to do it. I know I taught grade school uh, for several years working with emotionally disturbed behavior problem kids, and teaching uh, kids is one of the most demanding things there is.
0: Oh, yeah. Jim, that's so funny because that was my first job out of college was to work at a school with, with kids who had a uh, behavior disorder in Atlanta, and I was 22 years old. Just moved down to Atlanta from from Cornell University. Get there and worked in DeKalb County for this school, and it was one of the toughest
1: jobs I ever had. I don't know about you, but it was so hard. This—it's almost like we're separated by birth, um, or separated at birth. <laughs> um, my first job—my first job was working in a school for emotionally disturbed kids in St. Paul, Minnesota. And it really um it really changed my life. I the one thing I knew I didn't want to do was be a teacher. My mom was a teacher, but I needed a job. <clears throat> and I met my wife there and I um was trained in what I call a, a relentlessly positive approach that uh you know, has led to positive coaching alliance as well. It's it's all all about positivity and that's one of the reasons I love uh love um, you know, the the videos I've seen of you and uh, read a, a couple of your books. Just the positive, um, positive energy. And, and let me just say too, you make it very clear. It's just not. It's not the rah-rah stuff. Um, talk a little bit about positive energy.
0: Sure. Well, positive energy is the thoughts we think, the emotions that we feel, the the energy we're sharing with others. It's, it's that heart energy. In many ways, it comes from the mind and the heart together. So what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're sharing. Research from HeartMath shows that the heart is 5,000 times more powerful than the brain. And when you have a feeling in your heart, it goes to every cell in the body. And up to 5 to 10 feet away, people can sense feelings transmitted by your heart. So you're either broadcasting love and care or apathy and indifference. And as a coach, you know it's that... Those thoughts you think that are positive, but then it's those feelings and those emotions you share that other people feel that that, that matters so much.
1: You know, uh, <clears throat> you talk about the importance of positive energy, and, of course, our name starts with Positive, positive Coaching Alliance. Um, very often, um, people get the wrong idea about uh, Positive Coaching Alliance. We're really all about performance and and how you get to that performance. <clears throat> and one of the things that strikes me is that people often – have what I think is a really wrong idea about what toughness is, um, you know, that toughness is getting angry and yelling at people. Can you talk a little bit about toughness? Sure. Well,
0: you know, I often say that I believe in tough love, but love must come first. So if, if your team knows you love them and care about them, they'll allow you to push them and challenge them. So for me, it's parenting and coaching come hand in hand. I, I love my kids, but I want them to be their best. So I, I will challenge them, and I will uh, help them grow, and I will push them, but but doing so in a in a positive way. So so to me, toughness is about being resilient. It's about it's about grit. You know, we know that grit is one of the most important characteristics to have to to be successful in life and in sports and to overcome all the adversity and challenges. So grit to me is is the ability to overcome. Obstacles, challenges, and failures, and to keep moving forward in spite of all those obstacles. And so, for me, toughness is 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 grit. Toughness is is love. I believe love is the most powerful uh, form of of energy there is in the universe. I'm not alone, and I, I believe that when you when you share that love, it makes kids tougher. Working with the teams I work with, I find that uh, one of the things I do is I get the teams to connect and help the coaches connect to the team. And when the team connects at, at a human level, when they connect and they share stories about their past and their challenges and their hurts and their pain, and they share defining moments in their life. I just had the uh, the coach of Gettysburg, Hank Jancic, uh, one of the most successful lacrosse coaches in, you know, in the history of the game. He's at the Division three level, but he's most successful at almost any level. He said that for this year, he had his team really come down to that level of, of connection after I told him about these exercises. He didn't think it was going to work, but he but he did it. And he saw that the more love they had, the tougher they became. The more they connected, the stronger they became as a team. And I've seen that over and over again with the teams I've worked with. I watched Billy Donovan a couple of years ago with Florida. The year they went to the Final Four, I watched a coach connect to his team more than Any coach I've ever seen, I watched the team truly connect with each other and really be vulnerable, uh, break down the walls that uh, we so often have, and they truly connected. And as a result, they beat a lot of teams that had more talent, but they were a tougher team because they had so much love.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I love that. I haven't heard it said exactly that way, and it's really powerful. The the more connectedness, which comes from loving each other, the more connectedness connectedness you have, the tougher you are.
0: Yes, that's brilliant. And I, I've been seeing it over and over again. It's, that's really my, where my work is going now, in a in a, in a big way, because I'm having all these coaches call me at the college level, at the professional level, and I'm saying, hey, uh, try this. And you know, at, at first they they go poop, you know, they poop poo it, but then they realize, wow. And, <laughs> And Pete Carroll, you know, who's known as a very positive coach, I'm sure he's read a lot of your work. Pete is, um, same thing, ask him the most important thing for his team right now. He says, we have to love each other.
1: Yeah. You know, I um, I got so many questions. I, I just want to mention um, Bruce Bochy, the manager of the Giants, um, spoke at one of our events uh, several years ago when we gave him our Lifetime Achievement Award. And um, the issue of resilience came up. And he said that baseball is a long, long season. And even if you end up winning at all, you're going to have losing streaks. And the key to that was being positive through those those losing streaks. So that, that positive energy is, is really crucial. Um, you know, George in the Energy Bus, it, it says that he uh, he mentions that he played lacrosse. And I know you uh, were at Cornell. Did you play lacrosse in college?
0: I did. I played lacrosse there. I was recruited by Richie Moran, the, you know, the legendary lacrosse coach, and he changed my life by bringing me there and, and, and uh, played four years and started three, uh, faced a lot of resiliency, I mean a lot of challenges, had to become resilient myself through a lot of injuries, but the experience definitely changed my life playing a sport in college. I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing today if I did not have that experience.
1: And are your kids involved with sports?
0: They are my my son is a competitive tennis player, which requires a lot of resiliency and positivity, and my daughter is a lacrosse player, and um, her team made it to the uh, to the state finals in Florida uh, this past year, high school team, and she's been doing club lacrosse all these years, and so it's uh you know I've had to learn this from a, a parenting perspective, from my own perspective, from a coaching perspective, but I would have to say learning to be a positive parent. Was probably one of the biggest challenges. See, I'm not, I'm not naturally positive. I, you know, I joke. I grew up in Long Island, New York, in a Jewish Italian family. A lot of food, a lot of food, a lot of guilt. So I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not naturally positive. I, I do have to work really hard at it, and I, I think that's what's made me a good teacher, is because I, I'm not naturally. People think I am because of the books I write, but I have to work hard at it. So one of the things I really had to work out was being a positive parent and and loving them unconditionally and not being identified to the outcome, because I always received yep. praise and recognition through my success as an athlete. And so early on as a parent, I was doing the same thing to my kids. So I uh, read, a, read a bunch of your great work, and that made a huge impact. And then Joe Ehrman and his book, Inside Out Coaching,
1: transformed me as a parent. You know, I noticed in um... – and i I'm, I'm i'm i read soup and energy bus and i may be wrong i think this was in soup where you talk about nobody eats alone which and i wonder if you got that from joe cuz that was that story he tells about his football players uh you know and it's not just you don't it's, you don't leave other football players eating alone any kid in the school is eating alone you have a responsibility it's just a really powerful idea
0: oh yeah i love that Now i actually wrote that before i read joe's book but i uh you know all all ideas come you know from the same source so but um yeah, that was just the idea of knowing that, you know, when we break bread together and we eat together, we become stronger together. That that Gettysburg coach, I uh, just told you about Hank Janzik, I just found out he started a breakfast club where where during the off season, every morning from Monday to Thursday, he mm-hmm. has breakfast with his freshmen and anyone who has a 2.8 GPA or <laughs> lower on the team. So every Monday to Thursday, they got to meet him at 7:30 to 8:45 for breakfast. And he said it's just been a great way to connect and get to know his team. And if the guy's not doing well in school, he really gets to know them well.
1: I hope that's not an incentive for for the athletes to uh do poorly in school so they can have breakfast with him.
0: No, they actually want to, they actually want to do really well so they don't have to get
1: up that early every morning to go to
0: right. the coach.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear what you say about, um, not, um, uh, not being naturally positive, I think. Uh, and, and when you work at something like that, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not a naturally positive person, but it's incredibly positive, uh, important that I radiate positive energy. Uh, then there's always a chance that you come off looking inauthentic. What, what do you, what do you say to that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question because to me, I call that false positive. So, if if you're just rah rah and it's not real and it's not from the heart, it will be it will be inauthentic. It will be fake. So the key for for real positive energy is is just to come from a sincere and authentic and and real place. It's to be the best version of yourself. It's to strive every day to bring out the best in others and, and do it in as you always say in a, in a positive way, a constructive way. And knowing that your intent is to make others better, again, you're going to challenge people, but but you do it in a loving way. So, so to me, it's uh, you know, it's 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 that fine line of making sure that it's real and that you are real, and it's always being transparent and honest with your team. But it's also being consistent. You know, I think the key is you have to have a style and and be consistent, uh, consistently positive, and consistently. Uh, consistent. I know that sounds a double thing there, but, <laughs> right. but, but, you know, to make sure like, like I love the Joe Gibbs story, Joe Gibbs had a team that was 0 and 8 and they lost the game and the players thought they were going to get ripped because they, you know, they got beat and here they they lost another game and they get into the locker room and Joe Gibbs said, guys, we're getting closer. We're getting okay. closer. And it was con- his consistency that ultimately led to three Super Bowl championships. So, so I believe that, um, That it real means you being who you are, having your approach, and you sticking with that.
1: You know, Carol Dweck, who uh, wrote Mindset, says that one of the most important words is "yet." Uh, That that seems to me what that Joe Gibbs story is like. um, I haven't done it yet, but that "yet" holds out the hope I'm gonna. Yep. I believe every
0: team. Yeah, every team. For me, positivity is about being something to be positive about. You have to have a vision of where you want to go. and You have to have something to hope for, something to look forward to. And if you can see, you can create it. So one of my things for coaches is to give your team a a vision that everyone can rally around that that gets them excited. Each person needs a vision of where they're going. When I wrote The Energy Bus, it was rejected by over 30 publishers. And I really had to have a vision of, you know what? I believe I have something that can make a difference. So I just kept on going. I had that grit to keep on moving forward. It didn't become a a hit until five years after being out. No one knew who I was, and I I felt like I had something that could make a difference. So, you know, I always say success takes time. You just have to stick
1: with it. Yeah, yeah. When I was coaching high school uh, basketball, I had a slogan that we put on our – it was actually a a formula. It was – s equals e over t success comes from effort over time and um, i love that love that yeah yeah um you know i your stories are really really um they they really uh come to life, and I love the way you drop research into it um at positive coach alliance we are obsessed with Getting the best out of kids, and so we're constantly looking we you know read mindset and we incorporate some of carol dweck's ideas in and you you said something that um uh, uh, you wrote that enthusiasm comes from the Greek and it means filled with the divine and I just thought wow what a great and and you know, without getting into, some people believe there's a God, some people don't, but you can be spiritual without it. Uh, but the idea of divine, something that's of ultimate value, uh, that's just enthusiasm being filled with the divine strikes me as just a lovely, uh, lovely statement.
0: Oh yeah, we well we know, you know, we we call it team spirit, right? So there's there's yeah. a spirit that is flowing through us. There is more than this physical world. So whatever your whatever your religious beliefs are. I believe to be spiritual is to know that there is more beyond us than this human existence. And I've seen way too much. I'm a person of faith, but I respect everyone and their journey. But I do know that uh, there's spirit, there's enthusiasm, and there's an energy that, that when it moves through us, we become much more powerful. And we know research from like from a purpose standpoint that a team that is filled with purpose, a coach that's filled with purpose, a player, uh, a student athlete that has purpose. Uh they're gonna be playing harder and longer and give more energy for, for something greater than themselves.
1: Yeah. That's that's little um, you know, thing. I've got a very practical question for uh we have uh we have about sixty five staff around the country. We have, we're in uh thirteen soon to be fourteen chapters. We'll be opening our we just opened our Los Angeles chapter last month and next month we'll be opening our Portland chapter. Um and we have a sales-oriented culture. We're um, we're a nonprofit, but we reach out to every school and youth sports organization in in the area that we're in to try to get them to partner with us. And you you said that the um, and again I think this is the energy bus, but I, I've, I've read so much of your stuff it kind of blurs together. Right. You said the best sales best salespeople are love magnets. Uh, could you talk about that?
0: Sure, sure. Uh, and first of all, let me say that, I'm not just saying this because I'm on, on this with you, but every youth chapter, every school should be using the Positive Coaching Alliance because of, of it's the way. It's the way to great coaching. It's the way to make a difference. It's the way to overcome adversity, and it's the way to teach kids to, to be their best. I mean, we're seeing it more and more. We see the research. You know, Optimistic salespeople outperform pessimistic salespeople. We know that positive leaders are better able to garner the support of their team and move them in the right direction. We know that uh, kids and people who experience more positive emotions to negative emotions are able to see the you know the bigger picture and, and able to look at solutions and think outside the box rather than focusing on on problems and i have to say if you're completing if you're complaining if you're complaining you're not leading and so so kids and coaches and people we're not complaining. They're leading and they're coming up with solutions and they're finding better ways of doing things and they're improving things. So first and foremost, I think that's huge. Now, from a, a sales perspective, being a, a love magnet means that you just love what you do. You know, my latest book, The Carpenter, it's about loving, serving, and caring. Those are the three greatest success strategies of all. If you love what you do, you love the people that you're here to serve, and you love your community, you love others, and you love your team, you're going to have a greater impact. So for me, for instance, when I was writing The Carpenter, I had so much fear that I couldn't even write because I was focusing on on the fear and not being able to write something meaningful because other people like the energy buff, they like training camp, and so I thought I was going to write a piece of junk, and I was so worried about it, and I realized that love casts out fear and that if you're if you're loving what you do, you won't fear it. So you just have to focus on the love of competing, the love of selling, the love of of your work. And so it sounds basic, but when you really put into practice and you say, okay, what do I love about this? And I know I have something that can make a difference, and I love the people that I'm here to help. I love the kids in the school that I'm here to serve, and I love them. I'm going to be uh, a magnet for more business, more success, more opportunities. To make a difference, so you're not doing it for that, but as you do it for the right reasons, it's like if you invest in the root and you focus on the root, you'll always have a great supply of fruit. But in this world, we so often focus on the fruit of the tree outcome wins wins, losses, stock price. Right, We focus on revenue targets and numbers. So if we focus too much on the fruit and we ignore the root, the tree dies. But if we invest in that root, we'll always have a great supply of fruit. So we'll focus on the love, and the
1: outcome takes care of itself. Yeah, wow. Um, It seems that part of it, too, is – where our focus is, if I'm a, a salesperson and I've got a quota to meet, and virtually every salesperson has a quota to meet, yeah. um, and the, the, then, then what happens is you meet your quota for the year and they up it, so it, you're always being pushed. Um, and if you focus, <laughs> it, your focus is on yourself, like, oh my God, um, as opposed to having the mental toughness to put your focus on the customer, um, it seems to me that's, that's uh, part of that projection of positive energy.
0: Oh, very much so. I want to share a strategy that I think is one of the best advice I've ever received. It's from Dr. James Gill, the only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons. And last time he did, he was 59 years old. So he was asked how he did it. He said, I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. He said, if I listen to myself, I, he said, if I, listen to myself, I hear all the negative, all the fear, all the doubts and all the complaints. But if I if I talk to myself... I could feed myself with the words and the encouragement that I need to keep on moving forward, to keep on running this race. And that was his success. And I always, always ask athletes and coaches who need to talk to themselves more. And everyone raises their hand and I, cause I go, I know I do.
1: Wow. You know, this, this is a little bit off track, maybe, but um, it reminds me of a statement from mother Teresa where she was talking about praying and, she, and somebody asked her, what do you do when you pray? And she said, well, I listen to God, and they said, "Well, what does God do?" And she said, "He listens back to me." She <laughs> <And so laughs> has that, that idea of this uh, this lovely silence. Do you do you meditate?
0: I um, I pray. So the number one thing I've done over the past thirteen years to be a more positive person is to take what I call a thank you walk. So every uh-huh. just about every morning I walk, and while I'm walking, I just practice gratitude because the research shows you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. So I I walk I practice gratitude and then I also pray and while I'm praying I'm I'm just praying and, and just practicing gratitude and just saying thank you God and use me to make a difference use me to help others use me to to be a a vessel for for the cha- the positive change you want to see in this world and and uh, use me to serve others so I'll just say these kind of prayers and then and then also listen to whatever ideas are supposed to come through and every book I've written has taken about three and a half weeks. Uh, to write. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it's those walks and the ideas I get during those walks and the vision, the insights. I come back, I write it all down, and then I literally will start writing a book every December. But it's about three and a half weeks, so it's during that meditative state and uh, and prayer that makes a difference. I used to do meditation, uh, but now I just pray.
1: The um- you know i really like this the thank you walk idea i think i'm gonna uh i'm gonna try that myself um and you're talking about praying and gratitude um I was visiting a friend in Boston years and years ago, and I was uh staying in uh my friend's uh roommate's room and uh who was gone and so i um, there was a book by the side of the bed and it was called that's by uh a Catholic uh, monk named David Stendelras, and it's called Gratefulness: The Heart of Prayer, and wow. it's a, you know your thank you walk and praying that kind of brings it together because praying is about uh, gratefulness, I think.
0: Oh yeah, and you know it's, it's when you when you create a fertile mind. Like by the time you do it, you know by the time you're done, you come back. You've been flooding your body and brain with all these positive emotions that uplift you, rather than the stress hormones that slowly drain you. And you create a fertile mind that is ready for for great things to happen that day. So it's really you're cultivating this this state where you are grateful. And what happens is you become more resilient, the research shows, you're able to you know, handle the stress of the world, you're better able to perform under pressure, and you're better able to make decisions throughout the day if you can maintain that state. So it's really powerful. I, I If I don't do it for a couple of days in a row, I, I notice it within myself right away, so I know I need to keep doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Um, let's go to the dark side a little bit. Um, <laughs> okay. You have a great phrase, um, uh, energy vampires. Um, mm-hmm. how, where did that? I, I, I mean, you almost don't need to say anything about it; you get it just from the title. But how did you come across that? And and talk about that. And how people who are trying to project positive energy, um, you know, can deal with energy vampires.
0: Sure, sure. Well, I thought I coined the term, but I found out a few years after I started sharing it that uh, I think Marion Williamson shared it with oprah a few years before i started saying it but uh wherever it came from when you do say energy vampire people right away uh get an idea of someone in their mind of the people who drain our energy and we know that negativity will sabotage a team so a big part of my work and the principles i share is that you have to weed the negativity that you have it's not just about feeding the positive but you have to make sure you weed the the negative so you'll have a negative person, you'll have a, you'll have a, you know, we have way too many negative coaches out there, so we have to make sure that uh, we deal with that. If you're an organization, help your coaches become more positive. This medical group in Colorado, Kaiser Permanente Medical Group, I saw some research on that, they actually let go of a few of their negative doctors each year. They found that these few negative doctors were scaring away almost all of their patients. And as a result of doing this year after year, their numbers, their morale, and everything else improved in their business. So, first and foremost, if we're going to talk about kids, you know, my goal is to help a kid be positive. Do everything you can to help kids be more positive kids, because positive kids become positive adults. When I get to the college and pro level, you have to help those guys be positive. You have to help those women be positive as a coach. I think it's a big part of our jobs is to to help them have the right perspective, to help them have the right mindset, to help them overcome their challenges, to tell themselves a more positive story. We need that kind of work. But if someone is not willing to change, if someone and their negativity are sabotaging a team, you do need to confront it, deal with it, and you need to let that person off the bus if they are ruining the team.
1: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Why... Um... This is a little elaborate question. Start simple. Why is there so much negativity, in spite of all the research? Um, yeah. You know, Barbara Fredrickson wrote a fantastic book, uh, Positivity. She studied under Martin Seligman, who you you uh, yeah. quote, um, and uh, po- the the sports psychologists that we work with uh, at Positive Coaching Alliance, who volunteer their time, they all talk about positivity. You look at Steve Kerr and Doc Rivers, and, and uh, you mentioned Pete Carroll, that these coaches who are so positive and they get so much uh, success, why is there still so much negativity?
0: There's so much negativity because there's so much fear. So mm-hmm. the root cause of negativity is fear. So we fear change. We fear our survival. We fear not being enough. We fear not being loved. We fear not being successful. We fear losing our jobs if we're a coach. So it's that fear that ultimately clouds people's judgment and their mindset. And that's why, from a positive standpoint, the work you do and the work I do, I think it's so important. I think it's some of the most important work on the planet because we have to help people deal with their fear, overcome this negativity so that they can have a clear mind and lead in a very intentional way, a very intentional positive way. You got to think about it. You have to have a plan. You have to decide how you're going to handle adversity and obstacles and a negative parent and a negative situation before it happens or else, otherwise you're just going to react and it's not going to be good. So you have to be really intentional about this. I think that's hard. It's harder to be intentional. It's easy just to react and allow fear to dominate. It's harder to be intentional. And I think that's why we see so much
1: negativity yeah that's that's brilliant um it's it's first time it's time I ever said... yeah it's the first time Go i ahead. ever
0: and it's the first time I ever thought about it and answered it, and I'm glad you asked that because now I know I, I didn't really know it until we just had this conversation about why, and I think now I know why.
1: When you said the word fear, it's like my immediate thought was, of course, but right. <laughs> but I, I, hadn't, I hadn't put it together. Me neither. You know, I,
0: now, so I'm glad we talked about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it's, um, the um, I, I read a lot of mysteries, and um, I've, I've gotten and plus, and I've got a dog. I can hear him barking in the background here um and um so i've i've recently started reading a series of mysteries by donna ball about um this dog trainer who's a search and rescue person and and she has a bunch of dogs and there's a dog named uh majesty and majesty runs away and goes to one of her friends places and um there's a woman in this story who can actually hear what dogs are thinking and 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 she says um and the main character says, "Well, I've got to pay more attention to Majesty and Trainer and stuff." And and her friend, who can can hear what Majesty is saying, says, uh, "She doesn't want to be a, a search and rescue dog. She just wants to be important." And the friend that um, she runs away houses to is a woman who's, uh, you know, kind of doesn't have a lot going on in her life, and she just and for her, Majesty is is everything. And, you know, when you said that about fear, it's like, I think our ultimate fear is of not, not being important. we not feel, we don't feel important.
0: Very much so because it comes back to not feeling loved or the fear of uh, that you won't be loved. And so that's the ultimate. And so that's why I believe when a coach is positive and out of that positivity comes love and you feel loved, that, player, that team will perform at a much higher level when they know that they're unconditionally loved.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, um, so I love what uh, I, I, this This is in one of your books, but I also heard it on a podcast you did. Um, the goal in life, and let me see if I've got it right here. Uh, goal in life should be to live young, have fun, arrive at your final destination as late as possible and s- with a smile on your face yeah wow that's 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 great that's from
0: the idea too that's from yeah the fact of the you know I, of the fact, yeah.
1: I i get a bunch of uh <clears throat> inspirational quotes uh on a regular basis and i just got one um as i've gotten older i can still remember good ideas but i often can't remember who it came from but it was the, the idea is that we don't get we don't age we don't get old because we age we get old because we abandon our ideals and wow. so this idea of live young no matter how old you are age-wise live young have fun um arrive at your final destination nation as late as possible with a smile on your face i think uh that's just that's that's really lovely
0: well thanks yeah i think the key is to to enjoy the journey and I'm saying that and I'm thinking, well, I need to enjoy my life a little more. <laughs> you know, we get. I think the, 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 enemy, the enemy of all of this is busyness and stress, which, again, the root cause of that is fear. So busyness and stress sabotages our ability to enjoy life, sabotages our ability to communicate with others. Because when we're busy and stressed, our brain goes into survival mode. And so every day we're just trying to survive rather than making the most of the day and, and helping others thrive. So, we talk about being positive, but one of the most important things we need to do as people and coaches and leaders is to realize this busyness and stress to slow down, be intentional, and know that it's an enemy if we don't deal with it so it's taking that deep breath, practicing gratitude, realizing you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time, and then focusing on a moment to moment basis of of being positive and intentional and that is will allow us to be more effective as, as leaders. But otherwise that business and stress will sabotage us, bring us down and instead of trying to get, you know, uh, trying to make a difference, what we'll do is just try to survive and get through the day.
1: You know, there's a, a Buddhist saying about, uh, watering the plants. Um, mm. and the idea is that, you know, you want to, when you interact with people, you want to just rain positivity on them. And, um, the, um, you, in, in Energy Bus, George, as he's getting um, acclimated to being a positive or chief energy officer, he um, I loved your statement about every night he goes to talk to his kids in bed and he to ask them about something good that's happened that day for them. And um, We got an idea many years ago that we use now called appreciations and triumphs. We start every staff meeting, every board meeting uh, with uh, appreciations and triumphs and it gives people a chance to water the plants to say, Hey um, Sylvia, I really appreciate you uh, your helping me with that project and um it just um I think we're just we we all get so much um negativity, so much ign- ignoring the things we do that um we just can't almost can't do too much uh, uh recognizing people.
0: Oh yeah. You know the Frederickson's research shows that when you have, you know, five to one, five positive to one negative, or, you know, as you get greater uh, positive interactions, the team starts to perform at a higher level. But if you get to to 13 to one, the team starts to fall apart because there's too much positivity. But I tell teams, you don't really have to worry about that because you don't usually get to 13 to one. It's not like you say, Hey, we need a little more negative. We're too positive as a team. We need more of those, uh, more of the watering of the plants. Like you said, people just, they grow from it. You could just see uh, the kids come to life when you appreciate them and recognize them. You can see adults and organizations come to life. The companies I work with, I get to work with a lot of Fortune 500 companies, and Thank You is the most powerful and least expensive recognition program on the planet. Companies spend billions of dollars collectively through recognition programs. When people really want, is a sincere thank you that's what they want they want
1: appreciation just like you said you know i hadn't heard the uh, we we use the 5 to 1 ratio we actually call it the the magic ratio um because when when a coach um gets to the point where there's about 5 to 1 five positives for every, every five we call energy um emotional tank fillers five yes. fillers for every criticism or drain uh then magical things happen i hadn't heard the 13 to 1 um, that, that's really interesting. I think, um, what, what comes to mind is, um, and this is just off the top of my head, but in order to get to 13 to one, you probably have to be making stuff up. And when it's not truthful and specific, that recognition, um, is, um, and also athletes want to get better. You know, yes. they want, they want critiques, um, they well, just, that's, they what the, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what, and that's what the research shows. It's actually, it, just like you said,
0: it's Pollyanna. So it doesn't yep. become real. It's Pollyanna, and no one is talking about the truth. So the team falls apart. There's no um, healthy conflict. Every great team needs healthy conflict, as Pat Lencioni wrote in Five Dysfunctions of a Team. You have to have healthy conflict. You have to help people get better. So I tell teams, hey. Notice it's not seven to zero or five to zero or 13 to zero. We talk about five to one. You have to have that one because you have to make sure that you're dealing with the issues. If someone's being late, if they're being lazy, if you're not holding people accountable. My latest book just came out, and it's called The Hard Hat, and it's, it's about how to be a great teammate. And this is a true story, and all my proceeds go to the Mario St. George Boyarty Foundation. And George Boyarty was a player at Cornell, and he died on the field in 2004, was hit in the chest with a ball and died. But ever since his death, he has come to define uh, the Cornell program. They've become a powerhouse because they've, they've come to live with his ideals and his characteristics. One of them was that he was, com- was very positive. But the other was that he held his team accountable. He wouldn't let you settle for less. So he would call people out, but they always said it in a very positive way. He always made you want to do better because of the way he lived and the way he led. But he would just grab your arm and say, "Hey, you know, get back in there. Like you're not done." But he never made you feel bad about it. So um, he's the ultimate teammate. In my research, I couldn't believe the impact he's had. And 11 years later, his teammates still live their lives based wow. on the way he lived. They say they think about him every single day. And As I wrote the book, I was going to give half my proceeds to the foundation, and as I wrote the book, he made me better and I'm thinking, this kid sacrificed so much for his team, you know how could you not sacrifice for him and that's what that's what that's how he made others better
1: Wow Incredible. you know we yeah. have we have a model for coaches, a double goal coach first goal winning second more important goal, teaching life lessons through sports, and then for athletes. Uh, We have a model called the Triple Impact Competitor. Make yourself better, your teammates better, and the game better by the way you compete. And I had not heard of George before, but I'm going to get your book and and learn more about him. Uh, But he sounds like a Triple Impact Competitor. He made himself better, made his teammates better, made the game better, and he's making even you better after he's gone.
0: Exactly. I mean, I got a call from the Ohio State Coach, the lacrosse coach, he, he read the book. Some of his captains and leaders have already read the book, and one of his leaders said he wants to wear number twenty-one, which was George's number this year because he was so inspired by him. So he is that triple-level competitor. I love that triple-impact uh, competitor. I love that. That's uh, and I've heard that before from you, and I I, for, I forgot that. I'm glad you said it because that is that's the key. You know, people who make the game better, transform the game focus on making and that's let's go back he 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 first had to hold himself accountable before he could hold his team accountable so he was the kind of person that was always striving to be his best was always positive never complained they said he never said a negative thing to anyone in his four years at Cornell not once which is pretty hard to do I know I couldn't do that and as I wrote that book I looked at myself because I played at Cornell like George 11 years before he did, and I asked myself if I would have died like he did on the field, would I have had the same impact? And the clear answer was no because I wasn't the kind of teammate he was. I'm working to become that now, but I wasn't
1: then. Wow, that's inspiring. <clears throat> there's a there's a story you, you mentioned about him having to hold himself accountable before he could do the same to others. And there's a story I've heard at several different places. One place is attributed to Gandhi. Um, and I don't care where it came from. It's a great story. This woman came to Gandhi and said, um, <clears throat> you know, would you please my son eats too much sugar? And sweet stuff, would you please tell him not to? And Gandhi says, okay, come back in two weeks. And the, wo- the woman's kind of confused, but she comes back in two weeks. And she brings her son, and he puts him on his lap, and he said, you know, you shouldn't eat so much sugar. It's not good for you. And then the mother says, well, why did you have me come back in two weeks? And Gandhi says, because two weeks ago I was eating sugar. <laughs>
0: I love that. Yeah, that is that is phenomenal.
1: Yeah john this is um this has been just uh, an amazing conversation um really admire the work you do and um uh just um uh, really really appreciate it um uh, oh I, I do want to ask you you uh you mentioned um future work and you just came out with a book so i'm i'm curious what uh if you feel comfortable talking about where you where you're headed next what kind of things are you focused sure. on next
0: Sure. Thanks, Jim, and I just want to say it's been an honor to be on a call with you. I've been a huge fan and admirer of yours and and Positive Coach Alliance for for years. You know, when your work is positivity, you know about Positive Coaching Alliance, and I just think um, your work is the most important on the planet. So so thank you. So it's been a, a huge honor. But uh, my 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 next book actually comes out in September, and it's a book that I wrote with uh, Coach Mike Smith of the Atlanta Falcons and Coach Mike um, Smith is a really positive and wonderful guy. And he got fired from the Falcons this past year. And the whole book is really about uh, – well, the title is called You Win in the Locker Room First, and then you win on the field. But the title is You Win in the Locker Room First. And it's the seven C's to build you know, a winning team. One of those C's is contagious. It's to be positively contagious as a coach and as a leader. But we look at the first five years where – no one except Bill Belichick won more games than Coach Smith. And then we look at the last two, where he only won ten games, and as a result was fired because you know wasn't wasn't more successful from a winning standpoint. I don't believe he should have been fired. I believe he he should have stayed the course, and I believe the the organization should have. But but that's beside the point. It already happened. So what we do is we say, okay, what went right? What went wrong? And what did he learn from it? And then we share these seven C's. So it's on several levels. It's going to be a great read for coaches on how to build a team by focusing on uh, the right things, on being contagious, on relationships, on connection, communication, commitment. And and the last C is caring. So it's going to to be a lot of good insights for for coaches and teams.
1: I read um, – I read Seth Davis's biography of John Wooden, and I'd kind of known this, but <clears throat> when I read it uh, a while back, um, it was something like 20 years before John Wooden won a national championship. Um, and, you know, it's like today's world, um, there would have been no John Wooden because he wouldn't have lasted long enough. They wouldn't have given him enough time to, <clears throat> to, to, so it's, it's um, I'm I'm sorry about Mike, but, I'm, um, you know, he'll, He'll uh, land on his feet, the kind of person he is. and um, He will. He will. And, you know, can't wait to read the book. Well, so, thanks. John, thank you so much for um, for being part of the conversation today. We're going to do everything we can to get this conversation out to as many people as possible because it was uh, filled with insight. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, Jim. I'm
0: excited to share it as well. Thanks for joining us on this episode of PC One-on-One. Be sure to visit org to download more podcasts.